0: you are listening to something that us at atap have been working on for a while man and that's base camp episode one um this is so exciting for us uh this is so exciting for me and i hope you're excited too um this is episode one atap base camp scientology we Uh, brand this brand new show around the idea of going into the dark Um, and so from this point on once a month we are going to drop episodes where me and josh and ben and probably some other folks along the way some of our other friends some other experts um, depending on which group and like where we're going and everything what we're doing. Um, are going to sit down at base camp, which for us is the ATAP training center and studio in Four City, North Carolina, our small town uh, here in Western North Carolina. And we're going to debrief for you and with you about the experiences that we've had with various faith groups. So that can range from in the case of today's episode, um, a a recent visit that we made to the church of Scientology in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, next week, actually, if you're listening to this episode live, we are actually dropping the September base camp next week in the first week of September. After that, they will be dropped the first week of each month. Um, Parallel to our normal ATAP podcast. So the ATAP podcast isn't going anywhere. You're going to get to hear our amazing slate of guests on the ATAP podcast continually um, as long as we are able to continue booking incredible guests. And so, but next week, you're going to hear on Hinduism, which um, especially um, myself and then Josh, a member of the ATAP crew, have had extensive experience working in and around uh, Hindus and South Asians. And so it's going to range, but in months to come, you're going to hear us talk about um, various faiths and religions like Wicca, um, like the Church of Latter-day Saints, like the New Age movement and the occult movement that has gone with it, and, and plenty of other experiences. And so it's going to be uh, one part teaching, one part stories, and and I'm excited for you to hear it. But the, the whole idea of it being us going into the dark is that, you know, it's great to talk about world religions. It's great to teach about world religions. It's great to think and teach on being a Christian thinker. But if you are not willing to get your hands dirty, if you are not willing to go to the places where the gospel is least likely to be preached, if you are not willing to go to the places where the name of Jesus is not known or not well known, well, That's probably where we should start. And that's what we're going to try and be about here at ATAP. And so I'm excited for you to be along for the ride. I'm not going to waste any more time getting to the rest of this show. There'll be time for more discussion. There'll be time uh, for talking about other things that ATAP has going on. But for this week's episode, um, I want to hit you with as much content as possible. And so thank you, thank you, thank you for checking out Basecamp Episode 1, Scientology. Let's go. Oh, my goodness. All right. So, ATAP Base Camp, episode number one, Scientology. Um, So, boys, before we get into the nitty-gritty, before we get into some of the experiences that we've been privileged to have, which is probably, in large part, why some people are so interested to hear us talk about this topic, because um, we're, we're not just talking about Scientology and uh, the other faiths and groups that are going to be on later episodes of uh, Base Camp. But we've actually gotten our hands dirty and gotten in there. But I've just been thoroughly amazed at the the lack of any semblance of knowledge or or, or, or really um, like basic understanding of Scientology from a lot of the people that follow us on Instagram because they've just been hitting us with questions like, what do they even believe? Where did they come from? Who is it? So, um, in y'all's opinion, if we asked the average Christian, I don't know who the average Christian is, but, um, what came to mind when they thought of Scientology? What do you think they would say? And let's start with that. Tom Cruise. it! you took mine. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. So you, we represent a, a, a somewhat narrow spectrum of age, but I'm the ripe old age of 33. You're 28, 27. Dang it, I always <laughs> mess that up, dude. 27, and you're 25 allegedly. You are 25. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People who are listening are going to say Jeremy doesn't know these guys very well. <laughs> Two of my best friends. I'm just horrible with ages, but but you and I would de- would definitely agree. Like you're old enough to remember. Some of the Tom Cruise craziness of like the yeah. late '90s and early mm-hmm. 2000s. Mm-hmm. What when you so when you say like, hey, I think the average Christian or even just American, mm-hmm. when they think Scientology is going to think Tom Cruise. Why do you say that? He's probably the biggest face of the
1: religion. I mean, really, him or Travolta? Yeah, him,
2: Travolta. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, honestly, like, would you would you get would you say that more people when they think Scientology, they would think Tom Cruise before they think somebody like L. Ron Hubbard?
2: Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, well, they made a
2: concerted effort to put him in the public eye, so mm-hmm. I guess that makes sense. And, like, yeah. during Elrond's day, I guess that wasn't really possible to a certain extent.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, you know, so we're going to get to the Tom Cruise stuff because it is, weirdly enough, it is an important aspect to yeah. talk about when we're talking about Scientology. Um, so I think we would all agree. I'm not the average Christian um, as far as, like, uh, just the way that I am with all this. I can remember and i don't remember exactly what sparked it but it must have been a documentary that i watched when i was in high school or something like that that was right around when like what ben you just said like the tom cruise stuff was happening where he's jumping on oprah's couch and john travolta's in the mix and hmm. all you're starting to hear in the late 90s more and more about you know some of the abuses and <laughs> things like that that was actually like so scientology was really one of the first like religious groups that i became fascinated with and i can remember driving with my dad because my dad was a truck driver and we would drive in downtown chicago making these deliveries and across from he used to deliver to the dairy queen in lincoln park which is like an upscale neighborhood in chicago in right neck right across the street from this dairy queen was um i think i think the big sign out front said hubbard dianetics center mm-hmm. and i and i knew enough about scientology to know like oh that's that's Scientology. What year do you think this is? This is probably I'm probably a senior in high school, so maybe oh five, oh six. Okay, gotcha. Um and you know, I mean my dad's I mean you both have met my dad. Josh, you know my dad somewhat well now that they moved into the area. He's a, he's a real cool dude, but he's not gonna let me walk across the street yeah and go into, you know, this the Scientology That would've church. been a hilarious conversation. That would've been good. Probably was not equipped to have a podcast back then. But um and then so funny enough so then I go to Liberty for my undergrad and, um, like still the same, like fascination with religions, but specifically cults and specifically even more so Scientology. And I meet Courtney Lovelace, now, Courtney Jenkins, my wife, cause I changed her last name. But, um, so, uh, and, and you guys know Courtney extremely well, like she's not like, she's not coming to the church of yeah. Scientology with us. Okay. She's fully supportive of my weird habit of, being fascinated with world religions and everything. But I can remember talking to her about like wanting to do this, like Mm -hmm. wanting to do this type of stuff. So all that to say, I've been interested in Scientology since I was in high school. And now it's, I graduated in 2006. So it's been quite a while since Mm -hmm. I was in high school. And so really this conversation in ATAP, and then our recent visit to the church of Scientology is like, it's actually, you know, we're going to talk at length about our visit to the church because I, I think it's super interesting. But I, could, I was actually standing there like while you guys were like walking around and looking at some stuff. And we had tour guides and everything. And I looked around. and I was like, I've been wanting to do this for like 15 years. Yeah. You know, and so it was it was crazy. Um, so then I'll follow up with this then. Um, if we asked the average American, the average Christian or even like you guys two years ago. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell me anything about what Scientologists believe? What do you think most people would say? I mean, obviously, you can't answer Tom Cruise and John Travolta. Right. Do you think anybody has a semblance of anything in regards to their generic beliefs? I mean, it seems like very secretive,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? Like, I don't. I don't think I'm alone in, in that
2: in that thought. Like, yeah, I, I really wouldn't have been able to start even explaining what Scientology was even about. I remember thinking, like, the idea of, like, it, it has a cross, right? Yeah. It's just a funny-looking one, yeah. you know? And uh so, like, I guess I would have thought, like, I guess it's, like, some weird, like, hyper-scientific sect of Christianity, almost, right. is, like, what some people might would have thought. Mm-hmm. Like, like, we wouldn't consider them Christian, but maybe they would consider themselves, right? possibly. Mm-hmm. And then the idea of, like, an extremely, like, universe centered idea of that. Mm-hmm. And if you weren't thinking they were Christian at all, you probably think of some type of almost like uh, like pseudo Buddhist inward mm. facing type of religion. Yeah. Mm.
0: Um, I don't know. That's, that's which what actually I what's funny is the latter explanation. In a sense, there is some validity to that. Yeah. Like as I've learned idea- more about it, like that's what
2: the front side of it is very Shh. much like.
0: Yes. That's a great analysis. Yeah. Um, ben, Ben, Pre the last couple of years, or even just like mm-hmm. off the top of your head, like if I if I had if I had said, "Hey, for five hundred dollars, tell me what you think Scientologists believe mm-hmm. before we went or before mm-hmm. you, we started having conversations like this." What do you think? And I bet you it has something to do with South Park. Your answer it,
1: it, that is that's exactly where it's going.
0: Wow, <laughs> we did not
1: discuss that before the show. I'm impressed. No, yes, no. yeah, no, no. I would uh, what what I learned from South Park <laughs> would have been what okay.
0: I went with. So this isn't just because I'm a pastor <laughs> and I'm trying to keep good face. I've just never watched South Park. Weirdly enough, because I grew up in the in the 90s, Allegedly. so without getting us an explicit badge on mm-hmm. the Apple Podcasts, mm-hmm. what is the the Scientology episode of South Park based around?
1: It is based around, gosh, it's been so long since I've seen it, but it's basically it's like Tom Cruise comes in and he gets upset and he goes into a closet and then they can't get him out of the closet and then somehow they end up explaining it's like They do an animated version of what the Scientologists believe, mm-hmm. and they like keep on flashing this is exactly what they believe underneath right. it, just to make sure that people realize they're not making this up. Yeah. We,
0: so here's the funny thing about that. Here in a minute, we'll, we'll actually kind of do a rundown, basically, of kind of the beliefs you need to know. Those South Park guys, though, are crazy, because they did the exact same thing with the Book of Mormon, too. Like, they wrote the Book of Mormon. Yeah. Oh, and the, the Broadway end, play.
1: And at the end of the episode, they had uh, the Tom Cruise character yelling at them saying he's going to sue them. And they were saying, Sue us, Sue us. And then they changed like all, like every character in the, you know, at, at the end of the show credits was all named John Smith or something like that. Every single one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah,
0: Right. So, oh, man. so we have something interesting is that with Scientology is that it is, it is a part and it has been for about probably the last 15 years the part of like the American cultural zeitgeist, like the American cultural conscious mm-hmm. is like this, it's like this weird cult that like everybody knows about, but they know nothing about yeah. mm-hmm. and they feel like they're very familiar, but they're very unfamiliar with the core tenets. Right. And so just kind of for listeners who, who say like, Hey, I want to hear about y'all's experience going to the church of Scientology. Cause just this past weekend, mm-hmm. the three of us went down to Atlanta. Um, which is where the nearest Church of Scientology is to us here in uh, small-town-friendly North Carolina. Um, and we visited the Church of Scientology, and it was it was a cool experience and, and eye-opening. Um, but just a couple things in, uh, about the basic beliefs, because like I said, I'm convinced that most people don't know much about Scientology. Scientology was started by L. Ron Hubbard, who was a prolific science fiction writer. In the 1940s and 1950s, he wrote like... A ton of uh, science fiction stories and specifically like he's pretty well known for being a part of this really big movement of um, pulp writers Uh, Mm -hmm. so it's actually called that because of the paper like it was really cheap magazines Mm -hmm. like think kind of nowadays like Mad magazine or Mm -hmm. something like that just kind of like a silly like kids magazine but they had like Western stories and like space operas and then just like science fiction and it was really this golden age of science fiction that to this day, some of the authors that he was writing with are like the most famous science fiction writers of all time. And, uh, up until he might even still have it, but L Ron Hubbard used to have the Guinness record for the most words written Mm -hmm. and published. I mean, he, so he would, he would literally sit at the typewriter and just like, Type away, a type away, and I think they—I I read somewhere heard somewhere like they used to get paid like a penny a word.
2: A penny a word. Well, the our our tour guide actually mentioned that like that yeah. was like like she made sure to point that out when yeah. she was talking about Elrond. L- like.
0: Well, and it's certainly obvious when you walk into the Church of Scientology, yeah. because for those of you who've never been, like it's really a huge room that yeah. for the most part is is lined with Elrond Hubbard's books yeah. mm-hmm. on every topic imaginable. If
2: it felt like an alien spaceship but it was like a museum, but a oh, library. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's a good, just, dude.
1: That's a good, yeah, yeah, it, that's good. And, and
2: like, probably when you're listening to that, you're like, what the heck does that
0: mean? But yeah. like, I have no other way yeah, of
1: it's explaining It's bright it. and it's white. It's, and it's very just,
0: w- yeah. yeah. And, Marble And they and use a lot of like, like... <sighs> space type imagery science fiction type imagery yeah, in yeah. their on the covers of their books mm-hmm. like you can look like i could close my eyes like you know like open my eyes and you know in a, in a lineup of 10 to 20 books i could tell you within a second which one is a scientology book because you know of the re- way it looks
2: you know what it reminded me of was kind of like uh, you remember when you were in like elementary school and they had like all the books lined up and it was like like a frog turning into a girl like as you looked anamorphs there it is wow. that's what the book covers reminded me of wow. is it was like an anamorph meets religion mm-hmm. and then they had like the interactive machines that would like basically like they were, I, I don't even know. It was yeah. like a video library basically yeah. of like mm-hmm. the, the different beliefs. Yeah. All extremely vague. Yeah. And then there was a library around
0: them. Yeah. Was, like, right. the most and, and and really for the most part um and a Scientologist, I think would agree with this is it centers around the person of L. Ron Hubbard mm-hmm. um, and in his writings and even his experiences. Uh, he was a world war II veteran um, and, and just, just a note, like if you go to a Scientology website or watch one of their biographies on him or read one of their biographies on him, like much of what they say about L. Ron Hubbard and what he said about himself is, is to, to the nth degree disputed or just flat out disproven. Like he would he made claims that like he had done all these amazing things in World War II and like his war records show that that is not true. Mm-hmm. Like he'd been all these places and done all this research and like. There's no reason to believe that all these claims that he made about himself and that the church makes about him to this day are true. He's kind of a Paul Bunyan He's type character. He's like everybody's yeah. second
2: uncle that like tells about all these stories from their youth. Yeah, sure. Like, he just
0: combined them all into one. Yeah, you know. Um, and so yeah, so like, so it's very much centered around him and the the uh, the hinge point in the life of L. Ron Hubbard when he when he when he transferred from prolific author, um, and you know just kind of a charismatic character in the 1950s L. Ron Hubbard somewhat surprisingly published a book called Dianetics the modern science of mental health and Dianetics was hugely popular and successful in the 1950s it was one of the best-selling books in in the country at the time and the basics of what is still to this day called Dianetics became the launching pad for the Church of Scientology and Dianetics basically even to this day is um this this Basically system um, to achieve mental health that L. Ron Hubbard kind of originated, but it's similar to some other things within psychiatry and mental health, specifically like Freudian therapy and psychology It's like the idea that like if Josh had a traumatic experience and um, and I walk him through that and like. I have him describe the experience to me, mm-hmm. and then I ask, you know, how'd that make you feel? And he says, "Oh, it made me feel really bad." And I say, "Explain it to me again. You know, like how does it picture in your mind?" And like we walk through that two or three times, and and over time, it's gonna bother him less because, according to to L. Ron Hubbard, um, the brain is made up in a way that like one part of your brain called the the analytic mind is like a computer. And then the other part of your brain is the reactive mind. And the reactive mind is like where your emotions and mm-hmm. like your traumatic experiences are. And Dianetics essentially suggested that as you clear the reactive mind and you clear yourself of these traumatic experiences, you begin to function at a higher level more in the analytical sphere of your mind. Mm-hmm. And so so Dianetics was really popular because it made people feel good. You mm-hmm. know, like, and people they, they people had Dianetics parties. L. Ron Hubbard started traveling around and, like, teaching and lecturing and on what Dianetics. Year, and you
1: said this was starting in the 50s, 60s? Yeah, like, the are... early,
0: early 1950s is when it was published. Okay. But, like, really all throughout the 1950s it maintained popularity. Mm-hmm. There towards, I think, um, towards the end of the 1950s, the popularity somewhat waned, and mm-hmm. that's actually around the time where it was sort of repackaged into Scientology. So let me ask you this. Did... <sighs> did he have any type of, like, scientific
2: backing or any, like, psychological training to, like, understand, like, is the brain actually broken up that way? Like, where's all that coming from?
0: So what L. Ron Hubbard would say... (laughs) He's a huckster. (laughs) Yeah, so what L. Ron Hubbard would say is that he had, like, been shipwrecked um, during World War II, and, like, he had spent... I can't remember how long. Let's just say weeks. I Mm -hmm. might be wrong. But he had spent an extended amount of time, like like lost at sea and like his back was broken and all these things. And he, you know, he claimed all these injuries and traumatic experiences later in life. And he said that through developing D- Dianetics, of which he had no scientific background or uh, especially not a psychiatric background. And, and you guys know, and listeners should know that one of the core tenets of Scientology to this day, stemming all the way back to L. Ron Hubbard is that psychiatry is essentially evil. Sure. Um, and so no, he had no scientific background, but he said that, developing Dianetics and essentially experimenting on himself healed him of all of these traumatic experiences, including like very physical Uh, injuries. Really? Yeah. And so, so yeah. So like.
2: Of which there's no proof that he had. Of which there's no proof.
0: Right. And and, and in fact, to to a large degree, a lot of it has been disproven. Right. So like his war records, I think said, you know, that the extent of his injuries were like conjunctivitis, which is, Mm -hmm. I think, pink eye. You know, and like he, he, he had just like, I mean, normal things. And like, he didn't have a spectacular war record. Like he had a, a very mediocre, uh, military record and, um, you know, not, he didn't, he wasn't like, uh, uh, he wasn't, wasn't run off or discharged or anything like that. But he just, he came out of the military saying all these things. And then he actually, after the military, uh, began to get involved in the occult, um, so there's actually – I mean, we can look back and, and see that he had spent some time um, as as maybe not a part of a Black Magic cult, but mm-hmm. running tangent to one, we'll say. Specifically some guys like uh, Jack Parsons out in California who um, – were part of a black magic cult that sort of followed the tenets of a guy in England named Aleister Crowley, who even to this day, like eventually we'll do an episode on like Wicca and in mm-hmm. the occult, like Alistair Crowley to this day is well known in those circles. And so, so Elrond Hober was like two relationships away from some serious black magic people and, yeah. and things like that. And so, so no, I don't think he had a scientific background whatsoever, but he was very good at, I mean, Ben's called him a huckster. Like, I mean, (laughs) he was very good at selling himself, making himself out to be something that he wasn't. And then also, and, you know, we've seen this a lot in the world of religion, in politics and things like that is like charismatic individuals, you know, can seem really adept and can seem really smart talking Mm -hmm. about something that they have no idea what they're talking about. And. Mind you, Dianetics does work to some degree. Yeah, yeah. You, you know what I mean? And, and so, um, so yeah, so, I mean, um, Dianetics was hugely popular, it, but it was rejected by mainstream psychiatry as, like, a pseudo-psychiatric therapy. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the diminished popularity of Dianetics in the 1950s as it went on, like, and, and then the attacks from, like, the AMA and things like that led... Hubbard to start Scientology and famously quoted the church of Scientology rejects that he ever said this, but his first wife uh, quoted him as saying, essentially something along the lines of if you really want to make money, you got to start a religion. Um and uh, which you know there's a line in the office. <laughs> wrong, <Yeah. apparently. laughs> you know you have more you have more fun as a follower. You make more money as a leader. To quote the the, the great Creed Bratton. Creed you Bratton. Know. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> so Scientology managing.
1: essentially was birthed in the 60s. Yeah, I, I okay.
0: yeah I think so. The 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 emergency of Scientology would probably have been, um, yeah when he began to formulate and extend. The, the teachings of Dianetics into more of a religious doctrine. Um, and so, you know, you guys saw it when we were at the church, but like repackaged Dianetics as Scientology and the basics of the belief system of Scientology um, really stemmed down to continuing that teaching on the reactive and the analytical mind. Mm-hmm. Um, so once again, like the analytical mind, L. Ron Hubbard says is like a perfect computer. So like your, your, your brain is like divided into two and part of your brain is a perfect computer, remembers everything clearly. But then the other part is this reactive mind and the reactive mind is plagued by these traumatic experiences, you know? And so, um, when Scientology came about, came, um, something called the e-meter and actually when we were there, um, they had an e-meter sitting out, you know, and I guess we could have asked, I think there was a sign that said, if you want a demonstration, you could, you could do it, but I think we we were just wanting to get out of there. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah, we'd spent enough time in the in the yeah in, in the alien
2: spaceship library. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but so um so the idea was that the the reactive mind needed to be cleared, similar to Dianetics, but instead of you know, like laying on a couch and like Mm -hmm. having somebody who's trained in Dianetics um, counsel you, it became this process called auditing. And auditing would be, you know, Josh and I are actually sitting across from each other right now. If I was Josh's auditor, I would be looking at an e-meter which is essentially a machine that discharges like a very low current electrical current through these two canisters that Josh holds. We're not doing this, by the way. If you're listening, we don't have video yet. We'll have that up and running in time to come. Do I need to
2: put these down?
0: Yeah. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> but Josh will be holding these two metal canisters, and it's essentially sending like a, a electrical current that Josh is not aware of. Like he's not feeling it through his body. And as I talk to him, like I see – the needle on the e-meter like flicker. And that has a lot to do with like, is Josh like perspiring? Like, is he gripping the canisters harder? Like did his heart skip a beat? Things like that. And the auditor will ask these questions similar to Dianetics. Um, you know, Hey, I saw movement on the e-meter. Like let's, what did you just think of? And Josh says, I remember this one time my mom yelled at me. Josh's mom would have never yelled at him because Josh is the golden child. But (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But, um, You know, and so they, they, similar to die they would walk through there, but they would be seeking out the, this thing called an engram, Mm -hmm. they they would, they clear engrams, which is like those traumatic experiences. And so, so auditing in the e-meter and a set in a, in like striving for this thing called the state of clear, Mm. clearing yourself of engrams, clearing yourself of like these, these things in the reactive mind that are keeping you from um from like this this type of this type of freedom and, and they're looking for freedom from the engrams in the reactive mind and further progress towards clear and the truer understanding of their reality as a thetan mm-hmm. which begins to get into some of the south park stuff because yeah, like yeah. that's what they were hitting on probably um right there too like josh mentioned the cross scientology one of their main symbols weirdly enough is a cross and the like cross four extra
1: points to it right
0: yeah, it's an eight-point cross, mm-hmm. and the eight points stand for the eight dynamics of Scientology, um, which I don't know off the top of my head, but I I, I didn't write them down. But.
2: I, I actually have it, but like it's yeah. it's pretty hilarious because like so yeah, like like Jeremy's saying, the main uh, like symbol, if you will, was that eight-pointed cross, but they didn't use the eight-pointed cross in their explanation for the eight dynamics. They yeah. used like. If you could imagine like a ripple on a on the surface of water, it was like yeah. eight independent ripples, right? And like the first one was self. The second was sex and family. The third was group survival. The fourth was mankind. Fifth, life form. Six, physical universe. Seven, spiritual. And eight was infinity or the supreme being. Um, and like basically the, the other example that the lady or our uh, tour guide gave us was the idea of a garden like these eight things all exist separate from one another but they all share the same garden mm-hmm. right and the whole idea was is it's one is not a gateway to the others but you want to keep all eight of them healthy like you want to keep yourself healthy in you know all of these ways like mm-hmm. physically spiritually emotionally whatever um you want to have the same thing in your family life in your sex life in your group like whatever your community we'd say as Christians, right? right? Um, mankind as like your species, uh, life forms, which, you know, everything that exists on the earth and and so on and so forth. And basically she was like, if one of those things isn't being well produced, then your entire garden looks mm-hmm. terrible. And that yeah. was like the way she was explaining it. It was really interesting.
0: Yeah. yeah. And so they're looking they, they, right there with the eight dynamics, which Josh just listed out. Which, as you can tell, um, is really just like what might be called a taxonomy, which is like a, a division of existence, right? So right. like in those eight dynamics, it's, it's including every possible aspect of all of creation. Mm-hmm. And the Scientologist would say that they're striving to function as as clear as possible, essentially. They're, they're striving to prosper in all of those Dynamics, mm-hmm. and then another thing that they use to gauge that is a tone scale. So they would look at you or me, and a Scientologist who'd been in it for a while would would in, you know would kind of seek to figure out kind of like what is my tone, not just like my tone of voice, but like how am I functioning, and to the point where like people who are like very much antagonistic to Scientology and L. Ron Hubbard and the teachings of the church are suppressive. They are suppressive in tone and they are labeled a suppressive person. And so they're seeking to be, and I can't remember the number, but you'll hear Scientologists say like, oh, he's at this really, really good tone, which means like he's functioning in all these dynamics really, really well. And so that's why when you see a Scientology cross, like you're like, huh, why are they doing that? Well, let's be honest. Scientology was created in the 1950s and 1960s in what is usually usually considers like the golden era of, you know, leave it to beaver type era of American life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They were seeking to be accepted.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I
0: mean, so they put a cross on their buildings and on their their stuff, because back then everybody was Christian. Yeah. You know, so L. Ron Hubbard, no, he's not an idiot like they know hey, if we put a cross on stuff, people might be quicker to accept us. It's also worth noting too. Like I get questions all the time on Instagram asking if they're the same thing as Christian scientists, um, which is, Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Right. Um, so Christian science or Christian scientists or sometimes called church of Christ scientist was started by a woman named Mary Baker, Eddy. And um, it has nothing to do with Scientology, um, but uh, but a lot of people can confuse right. confuse that. Also worth noting, all three of us go to a church called Element Church. So <laughs> um, so we you know if if you don't know who we are, right? Like we all go to a church and um, in various uh, forms are in leadership at this church called Element Church. It's in a small town in Western North Carolina, and um, the church was started in 2008. And like with a name like Element in a small town. You know, we were like, I wasn't around back, none of us were around back then, mm. but um, uh, I, I hear stories all the time, but because the name was Element and not, you know, Element Baptist Church, but it was just Element. Well, it didn't help that
2: we had a like a like a molecule on our yeah. logo and it said, come experience the chemistry. Yeah, they were ambitious. I'm yeah. like, what
0: are we doing here, So guys? like, li- like people literally thought like. I I hear stories like our mm-hmm. pa you know like the guy I work with and he's he's essentially the, one of the lead pastors it's kind of confusing but uh he 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 was the founding pastor and he tells me that people used to come up to him all the time be like hey are y'all scientologists are y'all christian scientists and like in the 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 overall consciousness of a, of american religion a lot of people confuse those mm-hmm. a lot of people confuse christian scientists I never thought about scientologists that. Mm-hmm. yeah that um And so, so yeah, just a couple other things. Um, I mentioned the word Thetan. That's where things get really kind of wild, right? So once someone obtains the, the, the level in cytology of clear, which means they've cleared themselves of these harmful engrams these traumatic experiences in the reactive mind
2: get them engrams out of there
0: yep you get to some upper levels of scientology and now mind you it's worth noting
1: these are like the ot's right yep ot's
0: operating thetans Mm -hmm. but it's important for the listener to understand you pay for everything in scientology and so that's where we get into some of the stuff we'll probably talk about at the end of the episode we're like um Everything you do in Scientology, you pay for. So, like the first, if you went to a church of Scientology today and signed up for a class, you're paying for that class. It might be dirt cheap, but as you go higher and higher in Scientology, you're paying mm-hmm. thousands of dollars. And if somebody makes it to the highest levels of, of, of Scientology, never mind the donations that they're being asked for for other things, mm-hmm. but just your class fees are going to be likely. Nobody really knows exactly how much they all cost, but hundreds of thousands of dollars.
1: That's going to take for you to achieve this.
0: To achieve the highest levels Mm -hmm. in Scientology. And these higher levels are called operating thetans. Now famously has been... Sounds like a pretty good business model. It is a very good business model. L. Ron Hubbard was not wrong (laughs) when he said that if you really want to make money, you start a religion. He is not wrong. Um, So so the word thetan comes from uh, essentially the Scientologist creation myth mm-hmm. a cosmological myth essentially um is that thetans are, were these immaterial and eternal beings and um when a scientologist this this is stuff that the church disputes mm-hmm. now um but it's pretty well known from ex-members is that when you get to this level ot3 operating thetan 3 you got you get the opportunity to to read this this creation story this this origin story and it's that like, millions and millions of years ago, um, Thetans were these immaterial beings, and they lived lives just like the lives we lived in the 1950s, <laughs> L. Ron Hubbard would say. And um, he's trying not to laugh. Let's <laughs> try not to laugh. So, um, and, uh, and overpopulation was an issue, and they ele- they elected the galactic overlord, Xenu, to the galactic confederacy. Don't laugh, Ben. Don't laugh. Oh. So, uh, and... Xenu loaded up a bunch of these these Thetans, took them to the prison planet Tijiak, which is Earth, dropped... And they're frozen, right? There's I mean, something... I, 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 I can't remember. Not, they're not frozen, but okay. they're like in some sort of state of suspension. Tijiak is okay. a pretty cool name. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so um, they're dropped in volcanoes. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And like not... Hydrogen bombs are dropped yeah, in like the, volcanoes. the volcanoes. Yeah, the oh, volcanoes. Yeah. And... Um, and yeah, so and then, um, it it like killed the bodies that these satans had,
1: but like their spirits, but their immaterial yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. self mm-hmm. maintained, and like essentially they were like tortured and like put into some sort of like kind of prison state, and and then now what Scientologists maintain at the higher levels mm-hmm. is that when a human is born. Mm-hmm. A thetan or even thetans, so some more than one, mm-hmm. will attach themselves to the human body and that is where these traumatic experiences. And so in that sense, they actually believe essentially in rebirth and reincarnation mm-hmm. because these thetans live many, many lives. And so they would actually, going back to di- the Dianetics basics, is that that begins to unleash kind of lists like some of your traumatic experiences aren't from this life they're from past lives. And so the auditing process actually becomes much more intense. And I think usually most OTs audit themselves on their own. And so they're auditing all the way back to these past lives. And so there's actually records of like in in interviews of past Scientologists who like a lot of them have mental breakdowns because they they begin to like really suffer with the idea that like now I have to go back and audit like past experiences and past lives and past all these these crazy things. And so the so the Thetan, um, once you get to these higher levels in Scientology, um, they they begin to really push you towards understanding like that. Um, you need to clear uh, these Thetans from these mm-hmm. traumatic experiences. Um, and, and, and and that's really where you begin to get to the highest levels of Scientology where like, I mean, it, 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 they 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 have all sorts of, and I'm I'm going to use the word propaganda. I don't use that lightly, but like you can go on their website, you can go on this their like their Scientology network on mm-hmm. Roku and like Directv and stuff like that, and they talk about this openly, like that at the higher levels, like you you begin to experience life differently, and, and you begin to become much more able, and like they stop short of saying that they gain superpowers, but like there's talk within Scientology that these people are able to read minds and yes. things like that, mm-hmm. and so. Um, so that's kind of like so if if somebody were to ask like what does Scientology believe that's kind of what I would make sure um, But they just say
1: the creation story, correct?
0: So Be- they usually yeah, everything I've seen is that like whenever that gets brought up they kind of try and laugh it off like no that's just ex-members making stuff up or like mm-hmm. South Park mm-hmm. you know blaspheming us and, and, and you know and all that stuff. So they we so they the, dispute it. Yeah, but they but it's also like pretty well documented that that's happened.
1: Cuz when we get to the church the book of the, uh, the book on Dianetics it had Volcanoes, volcanoes yeah. in the background, so that's why I was th- that's why I was throwing me right. off that they like dispute that because I feel like that's kind of like a little like I don't know.
0: There's nothing about there's nothing about that that creation myth. No, in, in ben, that's the
2: explosion of freedom. That is the explosion like of freedom. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's probably
0: baggage. something they would probably say or Lrh would say something like the explosive nature of. A clear mind. Okay. You know, that's just yeah. a guess. Don't yeah. hold me to that. Um, <laughs> wink, so it's wink not like, so as it's, he looks so it, at the well, so, it's not like,
1: so it's not a wink to their creation story.
0: I don't think so. Okay. And I'm going to go ahead and say this. I think in a lot of ways, L. Ron Hubbard was making this up as he went. Yeah. You know what I mean? Now, I will say, and we can get into, you know, kind of our experience going in. All three of us are firm believers in the idea of like there is an unseen realm. There is a demonic oppression that's involved in the worship of false gods and participation in false, false faith. And, and, and so, you know, anybody who's listening, who's listened to my episode with uh, Dr. Travis Currens, who's an expert in uh, the latter day saints, like he would say Joseph Smith was essentially being oppressed and influenced by the demonic in, in, in that, like Joseph Smith wasn't just some crazy guy in the woods or he wasn't a liar. Like he was like a lot of these religious leaders, Muhammad, Joseph Smith, I'm guessing Dr. Kearns would even say LRH. Like, we, we have to stop short of just thinking they're crazy or they're liars. Like, some of them maybe think that they actually saw or experienced some of these things. And, and we'll never know, right, mm-hmm. with L. Ron Hubbard. But, like, um, there's actually been people who point back to some of the stuff he wrote in those science fiction stories right. in the 1940s. And, like, some of that stuff, the reactive mind, engrams, thetans, was in his science fiction stories. And so it's like, well, what do you do with
2: that? Which I'm sure he'd have just twisted to be like, I already had a predisposition to this,
0: mm-hmm. this, you know. Oh yeah. So like, obviously, uh, interesting thing about Scientology and like the same is true about like Latter Day Saints and Jehovah's Witnesses is because it's so new. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like you can get pretty much anything. I mean, from the 1940s and 50s, you know. And so, yeah, yeah I mean, you can still read his old science fiction stuff, and a lot of a lot of even like. His science fiction stuff is, like, highly regarded within the Church of Scientology. So, like, do you guys remember? You might remember. I mean, do you remember the movie Battlefield Earth with John Travolta? Mm-mm. So, like, Battlefield Earth, if you go on, like, Rotten Tomatoes, Battlefield Earth is, like, one of the worst movies ever made. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, like, like really according bad to, like, critics and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. And it's John Travolta's in it, and it's, like, this crazy science fiction epic, and it's written by L. Ron Hubbard. <laughs> and... Wait, when did it come out? Mm, like 90s? Yeah, in the 90s. I was probably elementary school and middle school or something like that. Okay. But like I'll look it up. Um, but like it was widely panned as a horrible movie and but like it's one of his um Elron Hubbard's like is 2000. Um,
2: is that one John Travolta like a lot of the stuff I see of John Travolta talking about Scientology, he's yeah. on a movie set. Um, oh, I don't think
0: that's Battlefield Earth. Okay. I think that's a different one of his movies. Yeah, because that would have been hilarious. Because cause like Battlefield Earth, like just like here's some pictures I'm showing to these guys. Like it's got a three percent on Rotten Tomatoes. What the what? And so yeah, that's not it. Yeah, that's <laughs> so not
2: it. Oh, dude, I remember this yeah. from somewhere. But so,
0: but the reason why they made it is because like John Travolta and like the Church of Scientology dreadlocks. like wanted. To make this this movie because yeah. it's Elron Hubbard, but like people who've seen the movie say it's like utter nonsense. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like it's not good. Yeah. You know. But so so yeah. So I mean, L. Ron Hubbard. I mean, it's, it's a it's a case study in a very strange embellished life. The dude was interesting for sure. Yeah. But there towards the end of his life, I mean, just it, it, he became. You know, bigger in legend than he ever really was in life. Because he died in the '80s, right? Um, yeah, I think late '80s. Okay, late '80s, and so this is like a weird Forrest Gump. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, it's it's yeah, it's like if Forrest Gump started Ridical. a religion. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, but yeah. So, so that takes us now to like, so you know that, and and the and the great thing about base camp is that it's we're not just gonna. Talk about these face and talk about these groups is like we've actually now, you know, gone off and had some experiences. And so, you know, as I mentioned before, like we um, this past weekend, we were at the Church of Scientology in Atlanta. Um, and uh, basically, I, I mean, I came to you guys a couple months ago, and was just like, hey, you guys want to go to Atlanta and go to church? I think I actually enticed you at first with a Braves game. And then it was like, we'll get an Airbnb. And then Saturday rally in the morning. Church of Scientology. But we're weirdos. It just yeah. like kept getting more excited yeah, like yeah. as you went yeah. along. Um and so yeah, so we went to Church of Scientology Saturday morning of our visit to Atlanta. Um we're driving there through of course busy Atlanta traffic even on a Saturday morning. What's going through y'all's minds? What's your first impressions when we pull up? Huge. Th- <laughs> it is huge. Big old
1: building. It was really pretty. Like oh, it was so the architecture great. was was tremendous. Oh my gosh, there's no telling how much that thing would cost. Sure boy.
0: In Atlanta though? Oh In yeah. Atlanta? Oh my so, yeah. gosh, that's, expensive. Well, ben, that's a expensive
1: piece of real estate.
0: Yeah, people don't know Ben sell Ben owns a a, a flooring company. What, what kind of flooring were we talking in there? Gosh, dude, they
1: had some... It's like marble high, or something? Yeah, it was like a high dollar, like very nice ceramic slash marble-esque. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it was very nice. Yeah. Not but cheap.
2: Ben's in the back knocking on the floor. I <laughs> <No, look, laughs> Well, they got me. It's Well, not everywhere cheap. we go,
0: like every... Literally everywhere we go, Ben's like... With well, the rest of us are like doing whatever and i look over and ben's like what kind of lvp is this you know? <laughs> it's like one of my
2: favorite memories we're like at a uh, bachelor party and there's the stairs are made out of like this like real thick oak and everybody's like oh my god this place and i look at the jacuzzi and ben's
0: like look at this stairwell yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cole's carpet in sandy mush north carolina but um <laughs> but yeah so yeah huge they i mean it's obviously spread no expense and, and um you know, and so bright.
1: All the, the yeah, painting with like the yeah, wall color, yeah. and then the flooring, and then like the bright lights and everything. It was super futuristic not, looking too. Yeah. yeah, and
0: all the people I are mean, super ha, clean cut. Very clean cut. Very you clean. Know. What what is when you say futuristic? I mean, I, when you walk in, they have all these like public displays um, with like videos and things like that. But like when you say futuristic, what do you
2: mean? Well, it was it was this like. Weird. I mean, you guys may disagree, but it was. This weird combo of like you walk up and it's a very like old. I, I'm not a great anti about the South. architect. There you go. Yeah. And, uh, and when you walked in, like I expected a lot of wood, I expected a lot of, uh, a lot of like oak, like that kind of stuff. But you walk in and it's like, like marble floor, like super, like all cut stone mm-hmm. everywhere. Like the, the reception desk was cut stone. Um, there was a bar on the left-hand side where you could, you know, an espresso uh, bar, espresso yeah. bar, and uh, and it was like a like super nice, like very new age looking, um, like stone. But mm-hmm. then you walked into the main. Uh, how would you describe that? It's not, not like a atrium, atrium, or Are you talking uh, about the
0: public information area?
2: No, 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 no. Past that, where like that the actual tour took place. Um, yeah like where
0: the Classrooms and stuff Oh okay. yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah Yeah
2: you walk into That area and it's Like Did you, get, did you walk back
0: there
2: though? Oh, you no, was not Supposed to You're Not allowed to Did you walk back there <laughs> <laughs> No I'm just saying Like yeah. it's just But in the general Area where oh, the okay. tour yeah. Took place Yeah Um there was a lot of scenes and, like, some of the nicest, like, walkthroughs. Like, you were at, like, a very nice museum, but mm-hmm. it was very futuristic looking yeah. mm-hmm. in the way that you would go through the different videos. And, like, each station, like, how many stations you got there? It was, like, eight? Yeah. So, like, yeah, yeah. so around, like, eight stations, but they were, which actually it makes a lot of sense that it would be eight yeah, or nine, considering, old. you know, the yeah. But Yeah. Um, and, like, each station was towards something different. Like, one was, like, the humanitarian efforts. The other one was uh, how do you improve
1: yourself. What was that one that they're big on uh, about uh, basically like a rehab
0: type? The purification rundown. What was the, what was the word so that
1: caught it? It started with an N, didn't it?
0: Yeah, like the Um, – you're talking about the – like the the getting all the toxins out of your body, no, but it's like some program
1: that they set for people that. Oh, Narcanon, Narcanon, yeah, that's that's it, that was, yeah. It.
0: So like they have all these human Criminon, Narcanon, and and um, applied scholastic. But well, you said
1: that Narcanon is very successful,
0: isn't it? So like yeah, they they they're very proud of that. I mean, yeah. so so for those who are listening who are confused about what we're saying is like what Josh is illustrating is like it, it, whole sections of this public information area really have much more to do with like what they do than what they believe or anything right. like that. And some of the things that they're most famous for is this program called Narcanon, which is um, which goes right along with the idea that like, they are very much against prescription medication yeah. and any sort of like any sort of medication, really. I mean, um, which I, which in all
2: the information they had there, never give a good reason why. Like, never right. told us why that so, was.
0: So, yeah, I, I'm going to venture, not really a guess, but just kind of like an amalgamation of, like, what I know about L. Hubbard and Scientology. It's like anything that distorts the analytical mind. Anything wow. that distorts or could, or could you know, to use layman's terms, like, fudge up the reactive mm-hmm. mind. You know what I mean? Because the, the whole point is clear. Slow down that machine. Yeah. Exactly. So the whole point is clear. You can't be clear if you're taking Xanax
1: yeah yeah, mm-hmm. you know
0: what I mean you can't be clear if you're using heroin you, mm-hmm. you know what I mean and like and, and that's the other thing too is like you know we walked in and there was a very nice guy who started to show us around and and everywhere we went and he I think we started off with uh, Narcanon or something like that we might
1: have and he right. was
0: kind of just looking at us like and he, and he knew we were Christian I mean I told him like hey I teach at a Christian university like we're here to look at this stuff and um you know, and he was very quick to have us also affirm that drugs are bad. Mm-hmm. He's like, Yeah, you guys probably agree, right? You know, and it's like, well, <laughs> he, Yeah, sure. And he was <laughs> you know? seeking that common ground. Yeah. Yeah. Like heroin's bad. Like, of course, right, you know. Right, right. Um, and so, so yeah, but so Narcanon is this program that, but also they, at the same time
2: trying to get us to affirm that, like, a just a general medication that helps for the betterment of somebody's like psychological or even like
0: specifically like we were looking at that one station that's called the purification rundown which is a program very controversial within science not it's not controversial within Scientology but outside of Scientology it's the idea that like if somebody comes to Scientology with a history of drug abuse or even in their minds prescription drug abuse um, they might put them through their prescription or the not the purification rundown which is like I think like five days or something like that. I can't remember how many days, but like where they give them very specific regimen of vitamins and nutrients to cleanse their body. And then they also like put them in saunas and have them exercise. And, and that was actually in that building. So I don't know if you remember him saying in the church of Scientology in Atlanta, in a different part of the building than we were, there were people doing the purification rundown. Um, yeah, so like they, down the like, yeah. 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 And so like, I mean, we, you know, if we had, Gone all secret agent, we might have could have found it, you know what I mean. But, um, but we're rural followers, How so we much didn't do that. let you, impossible. what percentage of
1: the building do you think we actually got to solve compared 5%. to five percent? Maybe five percent. So, like, a massive the building, oh, it was yeah. a massive yeah. building,
0: and, and the area that we were in was actually very small. And I pointed out too when we were leaving, we were the only ones there in the public area, like other than our two essentially tour guides and then the yeah. person at the front, desk. but, but a, there a, was like 20 something. It really cars. was like yeah,
2: an yeah. epiphany type moment because we're all sitting there being like, Oh, like, we're kind of all in, like, a I don't even know. Not like shock, of course, but it was just like there was so much to process because it was so different. And then I just remember you get in the car and you'd be like, you see there's like 30 cars here and there's only three people that we met? Yeah. And and
0: I remember just being like... So yeah, I mean like not to like... You know, I don't want the listener to think we're suggesting like, oh, there's some weird secret stuff. It's like that building's being used. Right. Okay. like the public area was empty, but the private areas were not. And so there were likely people doing purification rundown. There were likely people doing auditing and classes and and all of these things, because um, so then we, you know, we met our next tour guide, who's actually like the real tour guide. Very Mm -hmm. nice lady. And, you know, she was basically telling us like um, back in the day, Scientologists could go to local missions, Mm -hmm. um, which were not churches, um, to, to receive Scientology services like auditing. But now in the last 10 years or so, they've really done away with all these missions. And so in our region, in the (coughs) Southeast, if you want to be a Scientologist or take Scientology classes, you really only have two options, the Nashville celebrity center, or the Church of Scientology in Atlanta, and I will mention this: if you go online and look at pictures of like the National Celebrity Center or any of the other churches, they specialize the architecture to to sort of fit in. So in Atlanta, they went with that antebellum South to kind of like reflect Atlanta. Like it wouldn't look that way in Los Angeles, yeah. You know, and so yeah, um, that's why it looks like a Universal Park, right? Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and so yeah, so we meet. So we meet our our tour guide, and uh, and we call our tour guide. I mean, she's like, I think she was like. The head of public relations, or something like that, and um, very nice lady. You mm-hmm. could
2: clearly tell between the two people that tore us around. She was the one that usually does. She it. was the one yeah. who was
0: supposed to be giving us the
2: information. She yeah. was busy at first. Yeah. yeah. First yeah.
0: guy was not the best tour guide, but he was very nice. Very, um, very oh, nice. Yeah, for sure. And I will say this too, for for those listening, and even for us, just a reminder. Like I've I've studied Scientology. I've watched every documentary on Scientology. I've read. I've watched Scientologists' propaganda and their information, all that stuff. What I was very surprised about was we get our picture a picture in our minds, because of the tom cruise stuff and like the south park stuff is oh they're gonna try and brainwash us they they were super nice to us yeah you know mm-hmm. what i mean like i did not get a sense at all like i was actually very surprised by how not pushy they were i
2: really wish we could have went in and went in under like a i don't want to i don't want to feel like sleazy by saying this yeah. but like under the guise of like more of an interest and just see how it changed the yeah. interaction
0: yeah and, and you know I, and you guys know i i I think all three of us operate with this conviction, but I really do like I don't it's like I want to be honest enough to let these people know, like whether it's Scientology or a Hindu temple or something like that, where it's like we're not trying to trick anybody like, you know, I go into these positions. I say, hey, I teach world religions at a college, you know, um, hey, I run an organization, you know, something like that it would certainly be more fascinating if we had gone in and pretended to be interested in joining, you know, and, um, a little mission impossible. Yeah, exactly. You know. No pun intended, but, uh, oh, it was. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, um, but yeah, so uh, I guess what was most interesting though, about, you know, interacting with this lady is, um, I, I asked specifically like, Hey, you know, this, this place really more so instead of a church seems more like a museum dedicated to L Ron Hubbard. And I, I kind of said like, what, what place does L. Ron Hubbard hold in your life? That's a great question. And she she said, she kind of like thought about it and and she was like, he's a really good friend that I owe my life to. Yeah. And I thought that was kind of a stark moment of just like, huh. Again, she was very quick to say, hey, he's not a prophet. He's not divine. He's not like Jesus or something like that. But he's a good friend that I owe my life to. And then proceeded to tell us her story, which I won't go into too many details. um, But like she went like 30 years ago, she'd been in Scientology for 30 years. Had been a staff member at this particular mm-hmm. church for thirty years, so pretty much her entire time in Scientology. Um, but she had had serious struggles with mental health, mm-hmm. commonly breaking down emotionally, like in her college courses. And she had a friend who had some experience with Dianetics, and she said, "What did she say? Like within a week of like kind of going through Dianetics, like she started to see breakthrough and she feel started better, to feel better, yeah." And so she just jumped into Scientology headfirst and like, as hasn't looked back, she's been at it for 30 years. And then after she told us that story, like she finished and said, and I owe all that to Ron. And I, and I kind of was like, huh? Like, I think that says everything. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, 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 you know, so the listener, they might, they might go, Hey, you three, you know, I hear you guys on Instagram, like talking about sharing the gospel and things like that. Like, we, we didn't like out front, like, I mean, she knew we were Christian and like she knew that we were Jesus followers, but like we didn't come out and just present the gospel. Josh had an opportunity shortly thereafter to kind of just talk to her about like what he thought about God. But like, it was very clear. Um, I mean, she, she believed very differently about just life in general than us. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, and, and, yeah. And specifically the place that, that L. Ron Hubbard had in her life. And because it's and very prophet of- I mean,
1: compared to other religions, it's very prophet like. As far as yeah, yeah,
0: yeah I mean, yeah. so they don't call him a prophet, but but yeah, but it, yeah. he has a similar function mm-hmm. within Scientology mm-hmm. as a prophet does. In yeah, well he brought or truth,
1: or but they think that he brought truth to his people. So yeah, yeah.
0: and maybe yeah. I read too much into this. But
2: one thing she said when she told you that she said, "Yeah, Ron never said that he was," and it was like, it, and, and maybe it's a semantics thing, yeah. but it seemed like like it was very much kind of like, yeah, I mean he could have said that and we kind of, I mean, what else are we going to do with that information except for go with it? You know, but
0: interestingly enough, like Scientologists make a big deal. Like when people join Scientology to say, Hey, we're not going to tell you what's true. You decide what's true for you. If this stuff works, then it's true for you. Do it. Mm -hmm. If it don't work for you, then it's not true for you. So it's, you know, obviously we can call that moral relativism, but it makes that mindset, that whole like, um, yeah, Ron's not a god. He's not a prophet. He's not divine, but he changed my life. Mm-hmm, you know, yeah. and it's like, so there, there certainly is. He's not just some guy. We'll just say it that way, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, he, he's not just some guy. Yeah. He's not. He might not be a prophet or a savior, but he he changed my life. Even yeah. though I've never met him, you know what I mean. Right. And so, honestly, I mean, she answered the way about L. Ron Hubbard that any of us would answer about Jesus. Yeah. You know what mm, I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, if somebody said, Hey, what place does Jesus have in your life? I mean, short of using words like Messiah and mm-hmm. Lord and God, I would say I owe my life to him. And yeah. every good thing that's happened to me is because of him. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And so it's like, that should, that should be unsettling for mm-hmm. us. And I know for the three of us, it was, you know,
2: well, I had an, like, you had alluded to it. I had an interesting conversation with her. Cause the thing that was sticking out to me was within those like eight pillars, if you will, dynamics, of, of dynamics yeah. right. Um, the last one being infinity dot creator. Yeah. Uh, if Or it said uh, spiritual being. Supreme being. Supreme yeah. being. Yeah. 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 And, uh, you know, I was just kind of trying to, I was like, so what does that mean? And, and going into that conversation, her being like, oh, well, we don't really define it. We make sure we, we don't define it. And I was like, kind of just being like, I was sniffing it out. I was like, okay, but let's get a better answer than that. For me, this is what it looks like from a Christian perspective, a Christian worldview. And it was funny, she said, like, I actually grew up in a Christian home. She was like, so for me, I would still say that. Mm -hmm. Like, that would still be who I allude to in that uh, Christian, or in that Supreme Being, right? Which I just thought was so interesting, like, knowing, you know, the the other parts of Scientology, the, like, their creation, Mm -hmm. backstory. Um, It was just such a, a... a wild answer like it, it does create like a paradox where it's just kind yeah. of like well it can't be both yeah. and and then like i don't know i just yeah. really didn't know how to feel about that after that moment
0: and i, I think it's important to to note and, and this is going to happen when we talk about a lot of different faiths on this show is like similar to a lot of like eastern faiths and, and honestly like in josh you alluded to it it's like earlier is like scientology has some similarities with like some eastern philosophies is that like We're not trying to figure everything out, right? And so, like, when you ask, like, if you had gone into uh, Redeemer, New York City, okay, you'd gone to Tim Keller's church and said, hey, Tim, can you make sense of God? You know, of course, he's going to say, no, I can't, right? But ultimately, like, he's going to make a really concerted effort to, like, help you make sense of God. In fact, his most famous book is called Reason for God, right? uh, Like, Scientologists, like, they look at that supreme being and and they're like, yeah, we're not going to try and figure it out. Right, like, and part of that is because...
2: But is that it, genuine? Like, on the on the innermost right. levels of yeah. Scientology?
0: I would say genuine in what sense, do you mean? Like, genuine in that, like, it's like a genuine, like, Eastern philosophy that, like, they, they're convicted to not try and figure it out, or are you asking if they can't?
2: I'm asking you, was... Knowing we know about Scientology, having that conversation with her, was... I assume she was being genuine in yeah. her answer mm-hmm. of her still considering herself a Christian on oh, that. Sure, su- yeah. on that Supreme being level. Right? right. But did she not have all the information? No, she certainly is did
0: not. I mean, yeah, like that, that's the, other. that's thing what too. I'm trying yeah. to say. Yeah. yeah like, that's, that's the other thing too is like, so we've, we've already said like they have to pay for every class. They have to pay for every step. So like the reality is like there's this idea within the study of religions is like there's some religions that are like esoteric in nature, which mm-hmm. means that like there's hidden knowledge and Scientology is certainly falls into that category. Like the fact that you don't find everything out until a certain point means that you like that woman might not. I don't we don't know where she was on the on the bridge. As right, they would say. Right, right. But like she might not have had enough information necessarily to answer that question for all Scientologists, which as Christians is jarring for us, because like day one, mm-hmm. you know, somebody walks into our church like if they say, hey, I don't know what you guys are doing here. Like, we're going to sit there now and try our best to explain everything. The right? front page and of our
2: website love, God, right. reach people, make disciples. Like exactly. pretty much name, yeah. And
0: if we can't do it on a Sunday, it's like, hey, can I meet you for breakfast Monday? Because I want right. I more I want to explain, mm-hmm. right? And so for us, when we come up against somebody like a Scientologist who's just like, I don't know everything. I might not ever know. And not only not know everything, but like everything about my own faith. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And that's that's kind of difficult. So So was it genuine? It might be genuine for her to say, like... I'm not going to try and make sense of it because in her mind she can't. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'd be interested to know what L. Ron Hubbard or David Miscavige would say. David Miscavige is the chairman of the board for Scientology right. now, right? I'm assuming he's at the highest levels. You, you know
1: what's interesting though? What is interesting? Tell me. They haven't deified him as far like they right. don't like. Right. right? He's still very much.
0: I mean, like he's very much a normal dude. Yeah, yeah. That's well, interesting. well, not really. You're 100 right, but when like, I say, there's not quotes of him all over there. the walls
1: like there is Elron.
0: And there likely yeah. never will be, in yeah. my opinion. I mean, he's very much. He's he's the head dude, yeah. and you know I said he's the chairman of the board. After L. Ron Hubbard died, mm-hmm. um, he very strong armed the leadership in Scientology, right? It's like it's like a power grab. Oh, same, very much. A power but then, grab.
1: like it's, he still, they seem to have kept the same reverences for L. Ron as yeah. Before before he taken over that's, yeah that's which, which kind of
0: goes into that whole idea of like well he's not a prophet or a messiah but we certainly treat him like one yeah, yeah yeah you know um but yeah david miscavige like this leadership change it was really rough and it's changed the face of scientology like scientology now um you know that's where all these celebrities came in and and um and miscavige really led the way to focusing in on guys like tom cruise mm-hmm. and and these celebrities and and the really rough now now scientologists were they had some rough experiences even when L.R.H was alive. They the Scientologists perpetrated the largest domestic espionage case in the history of the United States. They were going into government buildings in Washington D.C. and stealing files from like the attorney general's office that incriminated them. And they were just doing it pretty much like out in the open. Or yeah, didn't they owe like a billion dollars in back yeah. taxes or something Until like that? Until they got their non yeah, yeah. they status refi- in like the late 80s. They refused to pay their taxes to the point. Where, yeah, they they owed like a yeah. billion dollars. The war is over. Thing. Right. Yeah, it's a very, yeah, 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 exactly. And so, um, and so, yeah, so, um, but yeah, so this, you know, so our visit was, I mean, very, I mean, short, relatively short. I think we were there maybe about an hour or so. Um, we had some good so, conversations and, and, and yeah, but you can't find out much about Scientology from visiting a Scientology church.
2: Yeah, that was we did like the, the words uh, or like like one word afterwards on before we totally destroyed ourselves on some great seafood mm-hmm. in Atlanta. If you're in Atlanta, shout out. <laughs> if you're yeah. in Atlanta, yeah. Yeah. shout out There's Pirates a Boil.
0: The Pirates Boil. I have oh, no oh. idea. We're in a, in Smyrna. In yes, yes. Yeah. Um In a strip mall. Which was phenomenal. It was right next to a Jamaican restaurant. If you're in Atlanta. Uh, I feel bad for that Jamaican restaurant. Go to the Pirates Bowl if you like seafood. But yeah. That's no, gracious. I mean. yeah. But the
2: my one word was vague. Like, I felt like I went there and learned a lot, but learned nothing. Like, nothing, like, nothing deep. And it was, it was so funny, because Ben kept saying the word clean and neat. Or like tidy. Tidy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very tidy. Um you ever like walk through like a spider web and like, you can't see it, but you know, it's on you. Mm -hmm. That's how I felt like, like going in and then leaving. Like, it just felt like it was like something on me. And I'm talking spiritual, of course, like they didn't have cobwebs. Like Mm -hmm. I promise you, it was not a cobweb in that place. no. No, they had a person for that. But, uh, like spiritually it just felt like like you couldn't see it but it was mm-hmm. but it was still like something sticky like mm-hmm. it, it it wasn't a good feeling mm-hmm. leaving for sure
0: yeah we got back in the car and i had gotten like i meant to bring it for us to kind of just flip through as we were t- having this conversation but i'd gotten like every pamphlet and dvd that was for free and um it was kind of like silent in the car for mm-hmm. a, like a minute before we we figured out lunch and um That was Josh. Like we've quoted a couple times on Instagram. What broke the silence was Josh saying to me that I was one of his weirdest friends for making us do that. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) which I didn't make you two don't need to be convinced of that kind of stuff. But yeah, it was certainly a weird experience. I mean, I've been to mosques. I've been to Hindu temples. I've been to a lot of other religious. You know, I mean, you travel in South Asia. I've been to Baha'i. You know, I mean, I've never experienced anything like that
2: it's very in like all of those other religious experiences that I've I've had the pleasure of sharing some of those yeah. with you. That type of of spiritual warfare, that type of dark spiritual presence, is very in your face. It's very like it's yeah, very. You can overt. smell the incense. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's very overt. But the Church of Scientology was not like that at all. But but the you know discerning of spirit, like you could still sense it. You can still mm-hmm. feel that. I yeah. hope that's not too weird, but like to no, say, I, but I, yeah,
0: I, 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 agree. I, I mean, I, I think, you know, as we, as we wrap up th- this, this conversation, as, as listeners are trying to process with us, what we're saying, you know, I would just say like, you know, we prayed before we went in. You know, like, uh, uh, and, and we try and do that anytime we're in these situations. Um, and we have people praying for us. And we have us. people praying for us. I mean, we have a long list of people that are faithful in our church and outside of our church that, you know, we trust to pray for us. And and um, and I walked away from the experience kind of going, well, I'm glad people were praying for us. I'm glad that, yeah. because you, you, when when Paul wrote about the, the discerning of spirits, I know that spiritual gifts and in, in the various viewpoints on them might be diverse in our listeners, but I firmly believe that, like, there are times where it, a lot of people would have walked into that situation and, and you know, Ben, like you're saying, man, it was super nice. And there it was clean. Mm-hmm. And those people were nice. And mm-hmm. there was a sign on the, on the wall that said, I wrote it down cause it's just, it, it stuck out to me, but there was a sign on the wall that said, we are here to help you achieve what you want in life. And it's like, why are you guys talking bad about these guys? Like, why are you calling them a cult? And I'm like, because the Holy spirit is not guiding that Mm -hmm. that place you know what i mean and it's not and i mean and there's a million reasons why i mean we certainly want what to help people in life too Mm -hmm. you know but there was a there was a deeper darkness that was not evident in the public information area okay Mm -hmm. and and, and i and and i need to note before we finish up um we haven't talked as much about this because the reality is we haven't experienced this um for the last 10 years there's been like you know, two or three movies worth of people. And now, you know, Leah Remini has a whole show devoted to exposing the abuses Mm -hmm. that are happening inside the church of Scientology to where people are having to escape. And I would very much recommend, um, you know, watching Leah Remini's show. I I think it got canceled, but you can still watch it on like Netflix. And, um, there's a, there's a documentary that I pretty much forced you guys to watch with me over the course of two days, um, called going clear, um, there's a book by Janet Reitman, um, on Scientology. I mean, and th- th- there's no, there's no, uh, Louis, uh, Louis Tarot, uh, that, my yeah, Scientology yeah, yeah. movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's almost cliche how many documentaries and books there are exposing the abuses within the cult mm-hmm. of Scientology. And, um, and that's exactly what they are, you know, and, and, and people might say, well, what is a cult? And, and, and I've been, on instagram I, I I routinely tell people, "Hey, cult gets misapplied all the time like mm-hmm. uh-huh. I mean cult is not just people who disagree with you, right? There's multiple different kinds of cults, and like so there's like a sectarian cult, like I'm sure we'll do an episode on Latter Day Saints, like like um Christian sectarian groups like l d s and Jehovah's Witnesses are typically classified as a cult, even though they're not small by any means, mm-hmm. and they're not quite as authoritarian as like you know Jonestown and things like that, yeah. Scientology is a classic example of a cult, is that there's an authoritarian structure that dictates to all levels of believers what is and what isn't happening, what is and isn't allowed, what is and isn't true. And on top of that, whereas most cults are free, Scientology is very expensive. I mean, they bankrupt yeah. people on the regular to be devoted. And so, isn't, know, it, isn't that interesting? It's yeah. like
2: to be a part of it, it's like you're buying into it. Most other cults, is, you're so appreciative to be a part of it that you give everything you have. Yeah. It's like. I don't know. Seems like a more productive uh I mean, it's, so it's how they
0: were able to afford the marble. Okay?
2: Yeah. It's how they made enough money to owe one point something billion dollars in yeah. back taxes. Right.
0: <laughs> you know. And so, you know, with that in mind. What is it what they called when they go after people? Fair game. Fair so like game. L-, L. Ron Hubbard had this principle that he wrote in his early teachings in Scientology, like his manuals, basically, and how to function. That... Um, Anybody who was speaking out against Scientology was fair game and anything like anything was permissible in getting them to shut up. And so that's why you hear about Scientologists like suing people and harassing people, sending private investigators after people like we should probably watch our houses after this episode goes live. Um, How's that different than what we do? No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> very, very different. Um, but yeah, So, so with that in mind, before we finish up. Um, because I'm sure listeners are, there might be a listener who goes, yeah, I know a Scientologist, right? Um, I'm a firm believer in like, Hey, the way you share the gospel with a Hindu and a Scientologist and and a Buddhist really isn't that different. Right. But with that in mind, like when you think of the gospel and Scientologists, are there any apologetic or evangelism points that come to your mind that, uh, you think the three of us or our listeners should have in mind if they ever get the opportunity to engage with a, with a Scientologist.
2: Man, I thought about it as, as soon as I was having the conversation with that lady, mm-hmm. um, with our tour guide, I keep yeah. calling her that lady. <laughs> as soon as I was having a conversation with her and she started talking about her, uh, ex belief in, or not ex belief, yeah. but the fact that she still considered herself a Christian. And I started thinking like, she became a part of Scientology because she was dealing with emotional and mental struggles. Mm -hmm. And what I wanted to tell her and what I wanted to go back and tell 30-year-old her is Jesus has the answers for this. Like, Jesus is here for those things. He's here to bring you spiritual and mental and emotional healing. Like, you don't have to go to Scientology. You don't have to pay for this. It's free. Mm -hmm. Like, you already paid for it. And I know this seems, like, fairly evangelistic, but, but... but man, it was—it's heartbreaking even in this moment because I'm like, Jesus has the answers for that. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. it doesn't take money and it doesn't take you working here 30 years yeah. to not even know what you believe. Like Jesus had the answers for mm-hmm. her 30 yeah. years ago.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and I, I certainly agree because the the way that she. Talked about Ren Hubbard and the way that she and so many others talk about dianetics and and all these things. It's like it's like I I hear them use the same tone in talking about those things as as you know I might use when I'm talking about Jesus or the gospel and and it's it's uh, you know it's upsetting because I'm like but like but the transform transformation of of the gospel of Jesus is is free and I mean like <laughs> and I mean that fiscally. And spiritually, is, like, the idea like, his his yoke is easy and his burden is light, you know? And I'm like, is the burden light here? Is the yoke easy here? Because it, it doesn't seem to be. And, like, yeah, like, you guys do a lot of good. And, like, you know, I mean, humanitarian efforts and, like, fine, that's good. But, like.
2: But they're not coming out of a want to be complete. It comes out of yeah. a just an overflow of what it looks like right. to, to be a Jesus follower. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, Ben, all those years ago watching that Scientology episode. Mm-hmm. Did you ever think you'd find yourself... I did not. <laughs> <laughs> Life's funny that way, Yeah, isn't life it? is funny that way. No. How
1: old were you? Uh, oh, when I first discovered that, I was a little late. I was probably like 20. Yeah, okay. No, so no, Probably like 1920.
2: Yeah, so we're not endorsing
0: it. South Park, but... Um, it's part of part of the culture. Part of the culture. But so yeah. when <laughs> we go
2: on an expedition to a mosque, are you going to bring up that episode as well, Jeremy? There's a fairly famous South Park episode. Oh, of that. An- okay.
1: that one's not <laughs> on uh, any platform
0: now. I don't oh, believe. Really? I don't believe did they so. get in trouble with some. They, they may did. or may not have gotten. death did. Did they portray Muhammad?
1: Yeah, in a sense, is Santa Claus in, like, a oh, bear suit or is Santa... I've I, I never seen it. I've just oh, heard... People, yeah, Yeah. Was okay. There,
0: there was, like, a... No, we there. won't be talking about that. No, no, we're no, no. We're, we're not lost, talking about yeah. that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, boys, um, yeah, so uh, incredible experience, incredible first base camp experience, um, you know, going out. This is our base camp here at the ATAP Training Center and Studio here in Forest City, North Carolina, but... One thing I want to say yeah. about this is, yeah. like, for you guys listening, that you think, like,
2: Man, their thoughts seem a little jumbled, perhaps, when we're walking through this, because it is a base camp, and this is a debrief. Like, we are kind of getting all of our thoughts out there from these experiences, from going to these locations.
0: I've been studying Scientology, like I said, since I was in high school. I've watched every documentary. I've read a bunch of books. And when I was putting together the notes for this episode, my thoughts were jumbled. Yeah. Like, it's hard to make sense of it. When we do Hinduism, we do Islam, we do other cults. It's not that difficult Um, like it's it is obscure it is like an absolute manipulation of any sense of truth and just like just like the best and most pervasive lies are typically half truths Hmm. like certainly there are aspects of Dianetics. And, and some of these functions within Scientology that likely have helped people. I'm not going to deny that. Yeah. But ultimately, they are a manipulation of half-truths, right? And so, yeah. So if our thoughts and in, in words seem jumbled, it's because they are. I mean, and I, I'd be hard-pressed to find somebody who who could make much better sense out of it, in all honesty. So um, So, yeah, but... But continue to continue to listen, um, not just to the ATAP podcast, but these Basecamp episodes as they come. Uh, we have more and more planned. And as Lord willing, the COVID-19 pandemic continues to come to an end. Uh, we'll be able to get even more adventurous in them. And uh, feel free to share with us, whether on Instagram uh, at all things people or email me your thoughts directly. Jeremy at all dot org groups and types of experiences you'd like to see. And hear us have, and so, gentlemen, um, as usual, thanks for being my friends enough to do weird things like this with. Now we love it. <laughs> uh, I'm a firm believer you don't go to battle by yourself, so I'm glad to have you guys there with me, and uh, I'm glad to have the listeners here with us to continue to pray for us as we continue to go yeah. out on these ATAP expeditions and come back and talk to you at base camp. And so, until next time, we'll see you.
1: See you guys.